Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Today's show is always brought to you by Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, a restaurant establishment run by fine people. You can find them online at bulldogburgerco.com, or you can go to the, the family at the home website of eatwithus.com, you can make online orders there, get more information, see online menus, everything you need. Two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and then on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't done so, if you've been reluctant to listen to the sound of my voice, you've got to try the spring rolls. It is the best appetizer in Starkville proper. I, I don't think there's any question. Everybody that says, hey, you know what, Steve, I tried the spring rolls. I wasn't sure what to expect. It changed my life and made everybody around me better looking, including myself. Guaranteed. Go check it out. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where you can get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. I mean, the best, the best place in North Mississippi, without a doubt, to go sit down and break bread with your friends and family and put your feet under a table where you know you're going to get a quality product for a quality price with a great atmosphere and great service with a smile. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville, and Tupelo, go to meet, M-E-A-T. A lot to talk about today. We met with Zach Arnett last night and some select players. Zach Arnett is not one to offer a lot of coach speak. There's no, there's no question about that. He is not one to sit out there and kind of make you feel good. And you know what? From a defensive coordinator, that's what I want. I, I don't need the touchy-feely Zach Arnett. He can save that aspect of his life for something else. But when he's talking about Bulldog defense, I want aggression. I want attitude. I want the truth. And that's what you get with him. It's refreshing. It is very – I saw a guy on jeanspage.com, the message board, uh, over on our True Maroon board. He goes, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Todd Grantham. I kind of get the same sense too. There's an edge with Zach, kind of like there was with Grantham. And I really got along well with Grantham. I, I, You know, I was sorry to see him go. Grantham's one of those guys who just kind of had a quiet confidence about him. It's like, you know what, I know some things that perhaps the offense doesn't know, and we're going to go out here and exploit that. I get the same vibe from Zach Arnett. He just has this quiet confidence that, you know what, we're going to work hard, we're going to work hard and work hard, but you know what, once we get out there, we're going to unleash the hounds. I can't say that's always been the case. I really liked Bob Shoup a lot. Bob was one of those guys, too, that was a blitz-happy guy, but uh, – I don't know that Bob maybe carried himself in the same way. I'm not being critical. Everybody's a little bit different. But I think Zach is kind of a player's coach in the respect that it's like, you know what, I've been here. I've played in this scheme. I understand the ins and outs of what you're being asked to do. I've done them. And then I have installed this at San Diego State with Coach Rocky Long. And so I know this defense backwards and frontwards. So there is some credibility right out of the gate with the players especially those linebackers. And we heard from Aaron Brule last night, and he kind of talked a little bit about their group. And uh, I'll have an interview up with Aaron a little bit later today over on Gene's page. But Zach simply commands the room. Uh, he told us a couple weeks ago when we first talked to him at the opening days of camp, but you know what, hey, we're not where we need to be. We're nowhere close. And he said last night, and Tyler Horka asked the questions, because, you know, Zach, last time we had you, you were very blunt in your assessment. Uh, what would you say now? And he was blunt again. He goes, are we better? Yes. Are we where we need to be? No. Now, a lot of people read that, and they have different interpretations. Uh, Here is my interpretation. Zach Arnett is being honest. Are we better? We should be. We should be. We've had a couple weeks of camp. Are we where we need to be? No, because we've only had a couple weeks of camp. But I'm still glad that he said that. There are some people that have read that and said, oh, man, we must be in bad shape. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. And this is a defense, obviously, that is going to have some growing pains this year. You need to be prepared for that. You need to be prepared for that. Zach Garnett's going to be calling the plays, and there's going to be some, some settling in that he has to do. It's going to be a learning process for everybody. Defense is going to be behind the offense early on. Go ahead and get ready for that. You need to understand that. But we shouldn't be game ready two weeks into camp. That's why we have 25 practices. So we're, we're, we're not there yet, but we will get there. So let's, let's talk about some of Zach's comments. Uh, this is a free article over on Gene's page. So if you would like to read them in their entirety, uh, you can absolutely go and do that. 
And we encourage you to do that. Go over there, check us out. Matter of fact, you can get two months for a dollar right now. Two months of Gene's Page coverage for one dollar. All right, so let me run down some of these quotes here that I thought that they were important that you uh, kind of have an idea. I guess we'll call it a little bit of a teaser of sorts. You can go um, read the rest. And here's the full quote about the, um, you know, I'll put it bluntly. Do I feel a little bit better? Yes. Are we there? No. I don't know what else we expect him to say. And I think as a fan of Mississippi State, you want him to give you an accurate assessment of where things are. Those are the things that I think about, and I begin to wonder, okay, how many times in the past have we been kind of inundated with coach speak and then, uh, you know, have people that share things with us that uh, may be a little bit disingenuous? You know, Peter Sermon kind of comes to mind. I don't really fault Peter Sermon because he didn't hire himself. But week after week after week after week after week after week, hey, we simplified some things. Guys are thinking less and moving around more to playing, but yet we played our Arkansas, a pretty mediocre Arkansas team and never had to punt. I just don't get that with Zach. I think Zach is one of those guys, not only is he honest with the media, but I think he's honest with his players. And so let's just kind of run through some of these things and hit some highlights on this. Um, so – one of the things that I asked him is after reviewing the film on a scrimmage, what were you pleased with and maybe not so pleased with? Because when we had the scrimmage and Mike Leach met with us on Saturday and Mike said, hey, you know what, I thought it was a little bit better than we expected it to be. I think we're maybe a little bit ahead of where we, we expected it to be. And we had some big moments on both sides of the football, both offense and defense, but there were some things that also were teachable moments. That's my phrasing, but the sentiment of what Mike Leach told us. And so when asked that question, uh, Zach Garnett says, I think we've thrown a lot of defense at them, different schemes, different alignments, blitzes, and coverages. So we tried to put in a whole bunch. We had those enhanced walkthroughs before camp started, so we got quite a bit of defense in. They've done a nice job of picking it up, and for the most part, knowing where they're supposed to be, what their assignment is, and what we want them to do. Now we've got to get a little bit better at executing it and finishing it and playing harder. When the ball is up in the air, winning those 50-50 balls or finishing a pass rush and getting the sack instead of the quarterback being able to step up, evade the rush, and keep the play alive. Credit to the guys. They've done a nice job of spending time in the meeting rooms and asking their coaches, learning the X's and O's on the classroom side of it. Now we've got to get a lot better at how we actually play that on the field. Uh, I think that's a great answer. Because here's what it tells me. is You've got some guys out there that are veterans that have played a lot of defense, They've seen a lot of things. And so from a classroom standpoint, from an intellectual standpoint, now we understand what's expected of us. Now it's about sharpening us all a little bit and making that a little more instinctive. It's like, yes, I know what I'm supposed to do, but let me do it without having to second-guess myself. Let me do it. Let me be able to read and react to the play based on my training. And that's why you have practice. That's why you have 25 practices is so you can kind of get to the point where you're not out there having a second guess yourself. You can just kind of flow to the football. But I think it's also good for Arnett to come out and say, listen, hey, the guys know what they're supposed to do. Now it's about kind of cleaning things up. Now it's about just kind of playing loose and fast and going and playing football. I like the comment, and I also think there is some truth behind it because that's the thing. You can't pick and choose. You can't go out there and say, okay, well, he was telling us the truth when he said we're not where we need to be and take that out of context, and then think that he's being half-hearted in his uh, comments about, hey, the guys know what they're doing. They know where to line up. They know what's expected of them. So if we're going to take the totality of his comments, we need to kind of understand either everything is true or everything is false. Everything is true, in my estimation, and based on the information that I've heard, uh, it's good to get Arnett up there and talk about some of these things and kind of confirm some of the things that we're hearing. We have heard a lot about the secondary, and I want to address some of that too. Based on everything that I have heard, the first team secondary is going to be really good. we got some playmakers back there. You know what Marcus Murphy can do. If you know he only played in a handful of games last year, Marcus Murphy is a potential NFL guy. You know what he can do. You know what Martin Emerson can do. Martin Emerson is going to be the corner that draws everybody's best receiver more times than not. He is a long, lean, athletic guy that, uh, that has NFL aspirations and NFL potential. Outside of that, you're kind of filling in the gaps here. And so based on what I've heard recently, you know, Isaias Furge was a guy that probably had the lead at the, at the other cornerback position. Emmanuel Forbes has come on. You know, physically there's some gains he has to make, but uh, this is a guy that could potentially be a starter for a long time at Mississippi State. 
one of the top prospects in the state of Mississippi last year, will play a lot this year even if he doesn't start. But he is locked in a battle with Asias Verge for that second corner spot. You begin to look around, you think the nickel, okay, that's Fred Peters. Fred Peters has probably been the defensive name in camp, probably the name that gets mentioned the most by players and coaches alike on both sides of the football. It's Fred Peters. We went out and signed him, if you recall, and everybody said, you know what, we think he's going to be a Jonathan Abram-type player. That's probably not fair to Fred, but you're beginning to see him mature. You know, he didn't play a whole lot last year, and then after C.J. Morgan went down, he began to start and uh, really had a big ball game against Abilene Christian. And, and I don't say that because of the quality competition, but with increased snaps, his productivity skyrocketed. And so you hoped he would be able to get in the spring with this new staff and then have an opportunity to earn a starting position. I think we feel good about the direction of Fred Peters. And I think it's pretty safe to say at this point he is your starting nickel safety. Who takes the strong safety spot? Well, right now, if I had to call it, I'd say Colin Duncan. Colin Duncan, a very intelligent guy. He was a late signee from Mississippi State a couple of years ago. Uh, signed in February. Had a lot of opportunities, a lot of options. Very, very intelligent guy. C.J. Morgan still working back from a very gruesome knee injury. I, I don't know if we see him this year at all, and I think with the mulligan year, if he is so inclined to potentially come back and play next year, I think you, you certainly give him the right to do that. Uh, but he is you know, he has not taken part in uh, you know full contact stuff. He's done a few things, but mainly he's been kind of a another coach out there. So running that down for you one more time, I think right now if I had to go play a ball game, the corners are probably – Emerson and Furge with a lot of rotation with Forbes. Fred Peters at the nickel, Marcus Murphy at free, which I think is a perfect spot for him, and then Colin Duncan. We've talked about those names before, and I've even mentioned them in the Gene's Page chat room. People say, I'm kind of surprised to see some of those names. Well, I can only go by what people are telling me, but from the the beginning of camp and beginning of these uh, – you know, it's one thing's like – Sometimes we get so caught up in how the guys line up for drills, and it means next to nothing. It really does. But we've heard Furge consistently mentioned in that cornerback battle, and it's good to hear that uh, Forbes is competing over there. And we've heard a lot about Colin Duncan, but not quite as much. You're kind of lost in the talk about that corner spot and Fred Peters. Colin Duncan's been mentioned a couple times uh, as a guy that uh, will be a contributor. But behind them, you know, you've got Janari Dean, uh, you've got Cameron Threat, you've got some other guys that uh, are going to have to provide some depth. Uh, Jalen Reed's a guy of Olive Branch that, uh, you know, played a little bit last year. We're going to need him to step up and provide some depth at corner. It's going to be a difficult year in many respects, and this defense is kind of going to have to have the trial by fire. They're going to have to kind of grow up pretty quickly. I think we feel pretty good about a lot of things. But um, and a little bit later in the show, I'm going to get into how I kind of see the rest of this defense thing shaking out. But I wanted to get into some comments that Arnett made about the secondary. Uh, we've got a good battle there, talking about the second corner spot, between everyone else vying for it. A couple of guys who have done a nice job at this point is true freshman Emmanuel Forbes and Asias Furge. They've got a nice little battle going over there. It's good because competition makes everybody better. They're pushing each other over there. We've got some depth fighting to battle it out with those guys. Those two names I mentioned right there, they're probably competing the most right now. So the rumors confirmed there by your defensive coordinator. And, again, somebody's got to get out there and make those plays. But people forget with Asias Furge. When Asias Furge was coming out of Clarksdale, he was considered one of the top corners in the state of Mississippi that year. A little bit undersized, but uh, you know, this is a kid that's kind of delta strong. This is a kid that has kind of grown up there, uh, you know, with hard work and values. And uh, I remember Henry Johnson telling me what a great player he was. Henry Johnson, one of the best football coaches in the state of Mississippi. And he said this kid could really play. And then Furge comes in, uh, has a little tough time adjusting. And this is where I think the coaching change probably benefited a guy like him. He gets a fresh start, comes out there, competes, and next thing you know, he's running a lot with the ones. And we need him to. And let's be honest now, if Tyler Williams had not opted out, it'd be Tyler Williams and Martin Emerson at the start, and then uh, Furge and Forbes and those guys are kind of battling for second team spots. But with Tyler Williams not being here, we got to get out and get somebody, get, get somebody to play. One thing I will tell you about Furge is he will absolutely tackle you. He will absolutely put the hat on you. 
There are a lot of these corners out there. They play the position of corner like it's a position of elegance, and they're scared to put their nose in there and really get after and stick somebody. That's not that's not Furge. Furge will absolutely hit you. And uh, with this defense, I think he kind of fits that same mentality of Zach Arnett. I think he has a real edge to him. And so I expect him to play a lot, and I think that he will contribute. What I have always wor- worried a little bit about him is his length. He's not the longest guy. He's not going to be like Martin Emerson out there running with those X receivers and being able to elevate and contend. When you got Furge out there in the red zone, somebody's going to dial up and throw the fade. It's because he's just not as big as some of those other kids he's going to have to defend. Uh, But, again, I like the fact that we've got some competition going there. Those things are exciting to me. It's it's, It's interesting finding the pieces. And so, again, the first team secondary should be really good. And then we'll figure it out from there. We can't afford to lose anybody because basically the two deeps going to be redshirt freshmen and true freshmen. Now, long term, you know, the wounds that we endure this year will make us tougher and stronger next year. And I think that's, um, you know, for the future, there will be some hard lessons learned this year that will make them better players and make us a better unit, a better team in the years to come. And in a mulligan year like this, it's almost like a redshirt year for everything in college football, the coaches, everybody. So I think we're going to benefit from that because many of these young guys are kind of going to figure some things out and be better for it in the long run. Today's top ten list brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie back with us again. They have been with me routinely throughout the uh, the Boneyard run to greatness over the years. Great incentive for Boneyard listeners. New customers receive a 100% deposit match. That means you double your deposit. You deposit 100 bucks, you get 100 back, up to $1,000. Pretty simple. You, you put in 100 they give you 200 bucks to play with. In summertime, it's the winning season for you at MyBookie. You should give them an opportunity to take you. If, if you are an online gambler, this is the way to go. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, much, much more. MyBookie winning season is all about you and your chance to win big. You can bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB baseball, UFC, and then some. Craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your own intuition. You know you always sit around and say, I knew they were going to win. Well, put your money where your mouth is. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting option. Put that big brand of yours to good use. Use promo code BONEYARD and double that first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers and props and parlays await you. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Use promo code BONEYARD. Okay, top ten list. Again, got to give a shout-out to my friend Martise Buckley. I met Martise last Friday night at Senatobia when that Colmarant was playing. came up and he said, hey, man, I'm a dedicated Boneyard listener. I listen every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, and, and so I just kind of unsolicited – you know, you know, we weren't even talking top ten. I said, hey, what do you think about top ten? He goes, I like it, but it's not really my type of music. And so we got to kind of talking about that, and I kind of teased on Monday. Today's R&B day. R&B day. And so a lot of people have a different definition of what R&B should be. Of course, R&B is rhythm and blues. But, uh, you know, you go back to the 60s, and, and things were a little bit different. It was a little more doo wop back then. And then, of course, you know, as, as funk music became a bigger deal, you kind of had a little bit of a melting pot there. And R&B kind of began to change. And so today I'm going to talk about some of my favorite male R&B acts and artists. Because I, I could, some of these artists I could put a top ten list together for. Uh, there, Listen, I think I've got half a dozen Keith Sweat CDs. I think that's right. Love Keith Sweat, but Keith Sweat's not number one. As much as I love Keith Sweat, not number one. So here are some songs that didn't make my top ten, but I wanted to mention them. I really like early 90s R&B. You know, and some of that is hip-hop and some of it is kind of dance music, but I tried to stick more to traditional R&B as best I could. Because, you know, R&B is about slow jams, right? And, and so I'll give you guys a little bit of a, uh, of a tip here. So uh, one of my older sisters, Nikki, used to date this guy named Kevin Smith. And... Uh, Kevin, unfortunately, was an Ole Miss fan. But he, listen, I love the dude. He was a great friend to me. And even after they broke up, I still hung out with Kevin. And so Kevin was kind of an R&B mentor to me in many respects. 
And so that was like in the infancy of my teen years. And so you start driving and begin to start dating. And he's like, hey, if you're going on a date, you need to bring this tape with you. You need to bring this. You need to have this, this mixtape. And listen, if you put this song on and she doesn't at least start holding your hand, it's probably time to call it a day. And so, Kevin, as much as uh, I, I dislike your college of preference, thanks for your, your mentorship through uh, late 80s, early 90s R&B. So here are some that didn't make the list but they are worthy of note. After Seven was a great R&B act. I think they're still performing now, but uh, the song Ready or Not is great. Uh, They've got a handful of hits, but that was a big one there for them, I guess, of their second album. Uh, I did not include R. Kelly in my top ten, and I know some people are going to say, Steve, how could you not? You know, it's just one of those things, too. It's kind of like Chris Brown. I always feel a little bit guilty listening to it. It's because of some of the personal stuff. But, uh, But a bump and grind was an absolute gem. I know uh, I Believe I Can Fly, Fly is a legendary song, but Bump and Grind was really kind of my, my first first kind of uh, exposure to R. Kelly. And this is one of those songs, too, that uh, Kevin Smith turned me on to. It's a group called Surface, and it was a song called Shower Me With Your Love. And I know you probably never expected to hear me utter those words, but it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, another kind of up-tempo song that I absolutely loved was Feels Good by Tony, 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 because Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. It's a great song. It's, uh, it's different. It's got a, the percussion on it is incredible. It's just a, uh, it's, it's a good up-tempo song, and it's one of those things. It's one of those songs, if you put it on, it's going to improve your mood, and that's the best thing about music. You know, sometimes, sometimes I kind of enjoy listening to sad love songs when I'm sitting around feeling sorry for myself. But other times, I just want music to elevate my mood, and that's what that song does for me. Another great one, a band, I believe, out of Houston, Texas. I had their first cassette. I don't know whatever happened to them. But it's a group called High Five and a song, The Kissing Game. It was great. Uh, it was right kind of in the peak of, uh, of all the dance stuff for me. You know, that was like when, when I was listening to so much of that stuff. And, and then I kind of went from R&B, and then I kind of got into British hip-hop and that sort of stuff and techno. And so it was a little bit different. And there, was a, there used to be a genre of music back then called trip-hop that uh, if you know, you know. If, if you've ever been in that bathroom at Mississippi's, you know. All right, so here's the top ten. A lot of one-hit wonders, but there's some legends in here too. Uh, number ten on my list that was brought back to prominence in recent years by Hunter Stovall, and it's Pony by Genuine. It's a cool song. Uh, number nine, a band that many of you probably haven't thought about in a long time. But it's a group, it's a Teddy Riley band called Troop, and the song is That's My Attitude. They had some other ones, uh, some great, great slow jams that were great. Uh, there was a, another up-tempo song called Just Kicking It With My Music. Troop was a really good band. Uh, just couldn't hold it together. Number eight, one of the best slow jams of the era, Let's Chill from Guy. Another Teddy Riley group. Teddy Riley was kind of like the father of early 90s hip-hop. I mean, R&B. Great, great producer, songwriter. Number seven, and uh, there are times in my life that uh, this artist could have been number one on a lot of lists, but it's Babyface. And I had him higher on the list, but I I talked myself out of this. But uh, When Can I See You? It's just one of those songs. It is just so special. You put it on, and uh, you really get a sense of what a songwriter and a musician and performer the babyface is there there are not bad babyface songs even if you're not familiar with the whole catalog he is such a talented guy you just put it on and just let it go it's a good travel music uh no crime was a big hit for him and i don't know if you know this but babyface's brother is in after seven number six i have argued with some of you before on twitter about this and you're wrong but bobby brown's album don't be cruel is uh a legendary album it is one of the it was one of the first r&b albums that i ever bought bought it at north park mall i was with kevin smith had a date coming up wanted to have some slow jams i went and bought bobby brown's album and uh don't be cruel is incredible uh but if i had to pick one song on there on date night it's rock with you without a doubt but i love bobby brown i think i stole every dance movie you ever had and that's the thing that a lot of you don't know you think you know me you see the hair and the tattoos I am probably the best untrained club dancer that you have ever known. And you think it's a game, but it's not a game. Those of you that know, know. Don't let the hair fool you. I can do every step, every step in the every little step video. I can still do it. 
Number five, and I could have gone much higher with this one, but it is Keith Sweat. And it's so difficult to pick a favorite Keith Sweat song. You know, Make You Sweat was incredible. Um, I can't remember. There You Go Telling Me No Again off the New Jack City soundtrack, which is a phenomenal album and movie. Uh, Something Something Just Ain't Right. There's so many great Keith Sweat songs. Um, But I have to go with I'll Give All My Love to You. That's uh, To me, that is quintessential Keith Sweat. I don't know if you've ever been on a date and you have like if, if you were if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s and if you didn't go on a date with a girl and and if you didn't play key sweat did you even have a date was it even a date or were you just a couple friends riding around I, I I don't think I ever went on a date late 80s early 90s without a rayon shirt Jakar cologne and key sweat just how it was that was kind of like the uh, the New Jack Swing starter kit. And that's the thing about you guys. You think about, you think you know me, but you don't. You know, back in those days, I wore Jabot jeans and Timberlands and rayon shirts and baseball caps, and sometimes had my hair cut short. But uh, I was into the deal, man. It wasn't uh, it wasn't just a casual interest for me. Number four, one of these songs. As soon as I hear the opening bars. Uh, my mind just is blown because there is so much goodness in this, but it's no diggity by Blackstreet, another Teddy Riley production. The piano in it, the humming, man, it's all so great. It is a classic song to me. I like It's one of those things, too. It's like if you had to pick one song to kind of uh, represent early 90s R&B, this is it for me. No diggity is so great. I'm going to listen to it as soon as the show is over. A lot of slow jams uh, of the of the era, but um, you know, Boys to Men's End of the Road. That whole first album is great, and they really kind of found themselves in the next album. But uh, I love that first album, Cooley High Harmony, so great. End of the Road, it's a legendary song. Of course, it was on the Boomerang soundtrack, which uh, exposed it to you know millions of other people. But End of the Road, I think at some point we've all felt it. But the harmonies on those Boys to Men albums. Are incredible, and I could have gone. I'll make love to you, but I, to me, the the one that really caught me, the one that really pulled me in, it wasn't Motown Philly. It was End of the Road. Number two, and this album means a lot to me, but it's uh, it's Jodeci. And so, let me give you a little backstory on Jodeci with me and them. But the song that I picked for them, and I could have picked uh, probably fifteen. I love Jodeci. I love Casey and JoJo after they split and everything. But uh, so when I was in treatment, when I was in rehab, the first album that I bought as a sober-minded person after being, uh, you know, gone through the ringer there was the very first Jodeci album. It's the first one. I was at Pine Grove Rehabilitation in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Saved my life. And... Uh, there was a lady that worked there. I say lady. She was a little bit older than me. But she knew who I was. She had seen me before because uh, she was used to go to club scene. And that's back when uh, that's back when your boy ruled the Hattiesburg, Mississippi dance scene. And so we were kind of friends. It was professional, but she was friendly to me. And so I begged and begged and begged her to go buy that tape for me because I didn't have a lot of stuff with me. And uh, so... Against the rules, she went and bought that tape for me and brought it to me. And so, and it's so special to me because I loved every song on it. There are so many good ones you can pick. And I said, uh, you know, come and talk to me. It's probably my favorite one off that album. But I look back at that and I think, okay, something was changing with me and changing in music. And uh, I really dug Jodeci from the very, very beginning because it was just something very special about them. And then, you know, Forever My Lady, and you get into all those other songs. And uh, there's a lot of relationship stuff with R&B, but they were a true R&B act. There's so many other people out there that were kind of studio creations. Jodeci was the real deal. And uh, I won't mention her name because I don't want to get her in trouble or anybody thinking less of her. But uh, I am very appreciative that she took my 20 bucks and went and bought me that tape and brought me the change back. Probably could have cost her a job because you're not supposed to sneak anything into drug addicts and rehab. But uh, but she did it for me, and I uh, still have the tape around here. Uh, of course, I've got it on, on CD now. But uh, you know, Jodeci's one of those bands too. That I, you know, th- it kind of fell apart late. But uh, you know, that second album, the you know, Diary of a of a Mad Band, is great, 
Cry for, uh, Cry for You is a phenomenal song. But uh, if you are not into Jodeci, and I'm going to go ahead and share this with you. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Young guys that are trying to get out and go date and stuff, Jodeci will help you. Even if, even if you don't play it in a car, play it'll put you in the date and relationship and romantic mode. I'm telling you, take it from an old guy. Jodeci's the way to go. Number one, though, in my mind, the greatest R&B song of my lifetime. It's got to be Usher Raymond, right? It's got to be Usher and it's You Make Me Wanna. There, you, I could do a top 10 of Usher, but to me, that is the one. That's the hook. That's what pulled everybody in. It wasn't the Star Search thing with Ed McMahon. It's as soon as you heard You Make Me Wanna, because at some point, you've all felt that way, right? Tremendous song. And uh, one of the things I give Usher a lot of credit for is Usher kind of brought dance back into R&B with artists. There were a lot of kind of stand and deliver artists. I mean, you know, Keith Sweat's a guy that just kind of stands there and croons, but... You know, Usher brought dance back to R&B. And so at some point we'll do R&B female artists, but uh, those are mine. And so Matrice Buckley, this is for you, brother. Uh, thanks for being my friend and thanks for listening to the show. And I hope that you agree with my list. And I am confident somebody's going to text me and say, Steve, you didn't mention this. And I'm going to be like, man, how in the world did I forget them? But I don't listen to a lot of R&B uh, as much as I used to. But uh, sometimes when I'm traveling... You know, especially in the evenings, like I, I love listening to metal in the mornings because it kind of gets me up. But when I miss out and the day is done, I'm going to a ball game and I'm maybe riding across the Mississippi Delta or something, going to a game. I just want to be able to chill and relax. And sometimes R&B just does a trick for me. So that's my list. If you have an idea for a top 10 list, and I already have Fridays hammered out. Some of you guys are thinking, man, I sent a list a month ago and Steve, you hadn't done it. Well, I may not do it, uh, but I've got a stack of them here. And sometimes I just kind of go through and see what interests me today. But Friday is going to be one of my favorite bands of all time. Not R&B. Not R&B. All right, so let me remind you guys, too, DraftKings is with us again. And uh, happy to have them with us. And so you, you need to go ahead and get on board now because this thing runs out tomorrow. Now's the time to celebrate. Football is finally back. we got the NFL opener on Thursday. DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy sports now, they have millions of reasons why you should be excited about that. To kick off football season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a million dollars. You heard that right. A free shot at a million bucks. 
and they're going to be a total of $3 million up for grabs this Thursday. That's tomorrow, this Thursday's football contest. Getting in on Thursday night single-game showdown is simple. All you have to do is download the DraftKings app and then register using promo code BONEYARD. You draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. So head to the app now and start making it rain. New users who sign up today on DraftKings using promo code BONEYARD will receive a free shot at the $1 million top fries with your first deposit. Simple as that. Nothing adds to the sweat and anxiety of watching a game like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Somebody's going to win big. It might be you. Again, download the app, promo code BONEYARD, and you can claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways. All you have to do is get the app, use promo code BONEYARD, uh, and enter the DraftKings free football survivor pool. It's really that easy. Stake your claim and get possibly get a share of a $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million overall cash prize. Go download the DraftKings app today. You could be, you could be making a life-changing decision. All right, so let's get into a couple other things before we get out of here. I want to talk a little more about defense. We talked about the secondary earlier in the show. I think we all have a real comfort level of what to expect on offense. Defensively, we're still kind of figuring some things out. But if we had to play a game today, this is what I would expect. I expect Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer to be your starting defensive ends. I expect Jaden Crumedy to get the start at the tackle, and then Nathan Pickering will, will, will rotate in there liberally. I think both of those guys are going to play a lot. People hear that and they think, Steve, I don't understand. Listen, we're going to rotate regularly on that front. And so Nathan Pickering and Crumley are going to play a lot. And we're not always going to be in the same fronts. They're going to move some guys around. We're going to give people different looks. But if I had to call it day, that's the three I expect to start. Linebacker-wise, we know Errol Thompson's going to be the Mike. Strong side backers, expected that to be Jordan Davis. If I had to call it today, I think it's Jordan Davis, and it needs to be. And then Aaron Brule out there is a willy guy that can get out there and run and cover. We talked to Aaron yesterday. He said that uh, Coach Leach actually commended the defense for their tackling during the scrimmage, which is good news considering what we saw against Navy and BYU, right? Navy looked like a team that hadn't tackled in a year. But your Bulldogs credited for some good tackling. And listen, there's going to be a certain level of rust for everybody because we didn't get the benefit of spring practice. There's hundreds and hundreds of reps that they were lost and missed because of all of that, because we didn't have spring practice. But so your front seven, again, is really a front six because we're going to run nickel defense. And then you begin to think, okay, well, Steve, what about Ty Wheat? I think Ty Wheat's going to play a lot. Uh, I think that, um, you know, Nathaniel Watson – uh, bookie as they call him. They've kind of moved him around some and kind of made him a linebacker of all trades. Uh, he is a guy that can play any spot on the defense. I don't I don't know that I would want him out there in Brulee's spot as much uh, in maybe third and long. I don't know that he has the same coverage skills, but uh, be that as it may, we have a lot of numbers. We don't have a lot of experience. We have a lot of talent, but we don't have a lot of experience. One of the things that kind of worries me a little bit about the front is Jaden Crumbody, I believe, has more career snaps or career starts than Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer. And so you've got some guys that have traditionally been two deepers that have been very effective in reserve roles. They're going to be asked to play a lot more snaps. And Kobe Jones has been a great leader for this team. I think his time is now. I think that's an important part of it is he has kind of grown and matured this is the guy that kind of came in and watched Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons and those guys, Gary Green, uh, become stars. And so he has had great training. He has had great coaching. And I believe in many respects it's kind of Kobe Jones' team, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think Kobe is the vocal leader. He has bided his time. He has worked hard. And now it is his turn to see what's going to happen. Uh, Marquis Spencer is a guy, of course, that redshirted last year, which was good for him. People forget how green he was when he got here, and he played as a true freshman out of need from Mississippi State. So he gets that year back and could get another year back when it's all said and done. I expect Marquis Spencer to have a big year this year. I really do. I think Marquis is going to have a big year, 
And I think people are going to look at this and say, you know what, Mississippi State's got some dudes out there. We have talked some about Aaron Odom, and I understand he really flashed the first week in camp. It's been kind of hit or miss since then. But it's time for him to kind of turn it on and, and, and make a contribution. Uh, there's some other guys out there that are competing. But uh, I think by and large, it's the usual suspects. I mean, you know Nathan Pickering's going to be in the middle of things. And especially in on running downs, we need him. And a good question that somebody mentioned on Gene's page. Because of the fact that we face the air raid every day in defense, on defense, what is that going to do for our run defense? If we don't get the ability to practice against it as regular as we used to, will we see a bit of a uh, step back and run defense? And you certainly hope not. And so what will happen, too, is once we get into uh, prepping for LSU, once we get into setting the roster and setting the depth chart and setting the scout team, well, then the scout team is going to run what LSU runs. And so you'll get into that. You'll, you'll get a lot of reps uh, playing the run. But – it would be naive to think it's not going to be somewhat of an impact. Now, they're not going to see anybody throwing the football as much as we do. And so, yeah, we should probably see an increase in pass defense. But, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that, too. I can't say that I'm worried about it, but it's one of those things that has crossed my mind that, you know, what happens to our run defense if we're not repping against run as regular as we once were? It's a good question. And I think it's – I don't think anybody has an, uh, you know, a solid answer for it yet. It's one of those things that uh, – It'll just have to play out. But uh, the bottom line is there are going to be some teams that we're going to see that are going to kind of feast on the ground anyway. Uh, and, and speaking of that, too, I'm not even going to mention their names because I don't want to get them clicks. But uh, people share these things sometimes with me, like, can you believe what this guy said? And uh, and more times than not, no, I can't believe what they say, that somebody picked us to finish last in the West. And so I, I don't say that to give them any credit. I say that, that the reaction to that, there are some people out there that cover sports that don't know sports. And there are a lot of people out there that they're not skilled enough writers, they don't have informed enough takes or enough sources. And so in order to generate clicks, they got to be somewhat controversial. they got to go out there and say outlandish things to get a reaction because they know what's going to happen is the thin-skinned Mississippi State fan is going to take their inflammatory take and go share it with all their friends. Can you believe this crap? That's what they do. And so don't feed the trolls. That's why I'm not mentioning their names. It's not because it's not important. And I know there's some people now that are going to go look for it because they're, you know, they're self-loathing state fans, and i got to hear people talk poorly about us. Anybody that's picking state last in the West doesn't know football. And, yeah, we did lose a lot last year. We also have a lot back. And I think the biggest thing that we gained is we gained an experienced coach that holds players accountable. We didn't have a lack of talent last year. A lot of our talent couldn't get on the field last year because of Tudorgate. But we didn't have a lack of talent. We didn't have a lack of playmakers. We had a lack of accountability. We had a lack of culture. And if you keep up on social media, and it's so funny, you know, there's these tweets that, you know, Colin Hill may say something that rubs somebody the wrong way, and, and that makes it on all the Facebook groups. But yesterday he tweets out about, the chemistry on this team is amazing. Everybody wants it. Why isn't that viral? Those are the things that, that fire me up, is when I see our players buying in. Because here's the deal. It's one of those things when, you know, Colin Hill has to come up there to the podium, which he hadn't done it this year, but he will, and be grilled by the media. They know they're being interviewed. And so sometimes they're prepped. I mean, sometimes there are people that media relations say, hey, listen, we're not going to talk about this. If they ask you about this, here's the best way to handle that. And that happens around the country. And they, they, they just don't want kids to get blindsided by stuff. But when Colin Hill is at home sitting on his couch and he has his phone in his hand and he's tweeting out, there's nobody out there, there's nobody with Mississippi State football pointing and say, hey, Colin, be sure to say this. This is their own feelings. This is what they do. And so when I see that and I read that and I hear things privately about how this team is responding to Mike Leach and his staff, part of me makes me it makes me a little bit sad to think, man, we really miss spring practice. Because think about how much farther along we would be if we had gotten through all this relationship building stuff. You know, I had somebody mention to me too, we talked about that, you know, the, the infamous tweet thing. You know what, if Mike Leach had, had gotten up in front of the room after, you know, spring practice and said, guys, this quarantine thing is driving me crazy. My wife's ready to kill me, everybody laughs. Everybody laughs. 
because you have contacts. But that's the thing about social media. You put something out there and people don't know who you are. The next thing you know, you know, people aren't exactly sure of your motivations and they begin to assign motive to your actions without really knowing what you meant. And so now we've reached a point now where there is some rapport. There is a relationship between your players and coaches and it is refreshing to see the players respond so favorably of their own volition on their own personal social media accounts with nobody directing them. Here's the thing. I don't know if we're going to beat OSU or not. You know, I believe the game is going to be competitive, and I'm sure on the, way, on the drive down there I'll talk myself into it. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That's how it is. But I just get the sense that this team believes that they can go down there and play with LSU. I, I don't think there's anybody right now that says, you know what, we're, we have to go down there and be intimidated. Of course, you know, LSU suspends another player today. I believe they're down to 68 scholarship players. And I don't know if you need that many to win an SEC football game, but I know you need one to get through the season. But here's the thing that I don't know that most Mississippi State fans and certainly LSU fans are, are, are aware of. This is a team that is gaining confidence every day. This is a team right now that is learning to believe in each other, believe in this game, believe in their coaches. And by the time they get to Baton Rouge, they're going to believe they can win the game. I'm not saying they win the game, but this team is not going to show up out there and kowtow to LSU. Nobody's going to get up there and say, oh, well, they're hanging a banner. Maybe we're just here to be the sacrificial lambs. That's not who Mississippi State is, and it's certainly not who Mike Leach is. And so I think it's important to kind of understand, yeah, we're not where we want to be, but we're a lot better than where we were. And by the time we get to Baton Rouge, we still may not be exactly where we want to be, but we're going to be ready to play. We're going to be ready to play. And if I'm LSU too, especially with all they've lost, and it's so ridiculous that, you know, that some of these same people that say Mississippi State's going to struggle this year, I still think we're a 500 team. Uh, to say Mississippi State's going to struggle to win a game or the same people expecting LSU to go contend for something big again. The LSU's not going to contend for anything big. It's not how life works. You don't lose a first-round draft pick quarterback and, and then your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator and, and have to basically retool your entire offense and get better as a team. And listen, there's no way that LSU can live up to what they did last year. It's one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football. But I don't know that I would want to play Mississippi State first. You don't really know how State's going to use the personnel. we got a pretty good idea what LSU's going to do. I'm sure they'll change a few things around. Of course, they've got a you know, new defensive coordinator there. But Mike Leach is a little more uh, loosey-goosey, shall we say. You know, Mike Leach may come out there and say, you know what, we're going to go out here and four and five wides, and we're going to make your fourth and fifth best uh, defensive back have to defend our wide receiver, and the difference is he, this guy knows where he's going. I don't think that Mike Leach is going to show up down there and show respect to LSU the way that perhaps Sylvester Croom and even Dan Mullen at times did. I think Mike Leach is going to go to LSU and look to beat LSU. Those are the things that I think that, that, that change when you have a shift in culture. And listen, Joe, Joe Moore had talked a good game, and I think Joe meant a lot of things that he said. He didn't always back him up with action. I'm not being critical of Joe. I still think a lot of Joe Moore had. My point being is that Mike Leach is the real deal. He is a genuine article. He will hold you accountable. He will hold you to a standard. These are the expectations. They don't change. You do. I think Joe kind of had, uh, you know, had a sliding rule when it came to that sort of stuff. I think Joe is one of those guys that – he wanted to be popular with his players. I think Mike wants to be popular with his players, but he doesn't sit up nights worrying about it. He's not up at 1030 texting somebody and say, hey, do you like me? Yes or no. I just don't feel that's the case. And the great leaders of our game are people that hold people accountable. They're people that believe in their players and they push them to be better, but they don't compromise the rules in order to be popular. When Mississippi State has been great, and there are times that we have been. They have been somewhat fleeting. When we have been great, it is when we have had players and coaches that did not accept the natural order of things. There are a lot of people in the Southeastern Conference, of course, that are very happy when Mississippi State is you know, a 6-6, six 7-5 six, type team. They don't want Mississippi State to do well. 
They don't want Mississippi State to go in there and upset the natural order of things like we did in 2014. Yeah, it was great nationally. Everybody else loved it. You know, we go out there and you beat A&M and, and you, you, know, you, you beat OSU. You go down there and you win in Tiger Stadium, you beat OSU. Wasn't a great OSU team, certainly a quarterback. You go down there and you beat them. And, and, and the moment was almost too big for us. I think the moment was too big for Dan Mullen, to be quite honest with you. It's the first really big signature win. We go down there and beat OSU in Tiger Stadium. And uh, late in the ball game, we instead of kicking a field goal or pushing in for a touchdown, we let we, we turn the ball over on downs, and then it goes down to the final play. We had, I think Dak was big enough for the moment. And I think Dan Mullen blinked down the stretch. There's no way that game should have been close. And, of course, we put Archie Moniz in. And God, God, God bless you, Archie. But Archie gives them the ball back, and they get a, you know, a quick score. And, you know, we kind of fell apart down there. We didn't finish the deal, and that was on Dan. We win the game, and that's on the players. But I thought the moment was a little bit big for Dan. Then we come back and beat A&M, and that, that's when Kenny Trill was the biggest thing in the country, right? After they had beaten South Carolina on Thursday night football, everybody said, hey, this guy's a Heisman frontrunner, and he came down here, and it was Dak Prescott's kind of coming out party, and Richie Brown, of course, changed uh, Kenny Trill's Heisman trajectory, Right? And then we beat Auburn, and you know, a lot of the country cheered with us. They did. But it's because you had players like Dak Prescott and Bear Wilson and Josh Robinson and uh, Benique West Brown and people like that that said, you know what, I'm as good as these guys. These guys that we're playing against, I played them in high school. I got recruited alongside them. And so, no, I don't think Mississippi State has to be second best. But all of that starts with your, your leadership. You get a lot of the guys that come in here and say, well, you know, you know, we're just Mississippi State. You know, the first ball game that I ever saw Mississippi State play, we, we upset number one in the country, Alabama, in 1980. And at that, at that point, I believed all things were possible in maroon and white. They've kind of let me down at times, but I've always believed that Mississippi State is capable of doing anything. And that's when Mike Leach had this big speech and had a chance to talk to players and talk about the legacy of Mississippi college football, the legacy of Jerry Rice and Walter Payton and Brett Favre, and, and now they're part of that. And I think that is one of the huge selling points is, that, you know what, there are a lot of things in life that we are somewhat second rate at when it comes to the state of Mississippi. Football's not one of them, nor should it ever be. You need to outfit your family over at Campus Bookmart. You can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, you can save yourself a little cash. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all, all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Mom, Dad, it's time to start getting your game day gear together for the kids. And even if you can't come to games, you know, Fridays is usually Jersey Day or College Colors Day or School Spirit Day. Everybody has probably outgrown their Mississippi State gear from a year ago, and even if we haven't, we want new stuff. And you know what? Mom, Dad might have outgrown his shirt too. He wants to be comfortable, and you want him to look presentable. So get him some new gear. Buy something for yourself while you're there. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So it's about two weeks now, a little over two weeks, and uh, Alpha Dogs, the book, will be available. And it's one of those things, too, it was so, so much a part of my daily life. I can't say that I ever forget about it. But it's one of those things, too, that, uh, you know, I'll spend some time. I was like, hey, you know, the book will be out here in a couple weeks. And I go back and I look at my notes and I go back and think about the journey that I took when I made this list of all these people that I wanted to talk to. And I had so many people that reached out to me and they, they shared their stories and they shared some things, some moments at Mississippi State that meant a lot to them. And I've done my best to capture that. I never know how it's going to be received. I mean, there are people close to me that say, Steve, you're being silly. You know, Mississippi State, people love reading about Mississippi State, and they do. And so if you haven't read Starkville ones, let me encourage you to do so. You can go to starkvillewinsthebook.com. That URL will lead you to the same place where alphadogsthebook.com will lead you as well. You can get all the books there. And so I've teased a little bit about Flim Flam, and um, many of you – I guess north of 10,000 of you have, uh, have read Flim Flam. And so there are some other things, again, that I can't speak in a lot of detail about because we haven't reached any agreements, we haven't signed anything. But uh, there is a lot of interest in Flim Flam again. 
for some things that I can explain a little bit later. And so we're working on some things, probably going to update Flim Flam, probably going to re-release Flim Flam, an expanded edition, probably change some things around because some things, uh, you know, some things happened that we can kind of, I guess, have some closure. There are some people close to me that say, Steve, let's, you should just go ahead and write the sequel to Flim Flam. I, I don't know that there's enough yet for a sequel. I think we've got to live a few more years under the Lane Kiffin administration. We'll probably have a lot of material we can work with then. But there are a lot of things that have happened since then. And so I don't know the full direction with which we're going to go. But Flim Flam and Stark Villains at some point soon will be available as an ebook. And so there's some, there's some exciting things happening. And it's so interesting to me. You know, it's like uh, I've had so many people say, well, Steve, you're the boogeyman. And uh, maybe that's true. But it's like I can make a benign comment or a post on Gene's page. Like uh, there's a comment the other day. Somebody referenced to Tom Mars, which is hilarious, has bought cutouts at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium of me, him, and Houston Nutt. That's hilarious to me. I think it's really funny. didn't cost me a dime. I didn't ask him to do it, but I do think it's funny. And so that that post, that idea makes it to Gene's page. And so I, all I comment, I say, Tom has been a good friend to me. We've got a couple other things cooking. And that's it. And before the day is over, I'm getting all these messages from people that said, I don't understand why you're going after Ole Miss again, and Ole Miss people are all upset with you. All I said was we had a couple things cooking. I don't know if you know this, but Tom Mars and I are, are friends. Tom Mars and I are still in contact. Tom Mars and I speak regularly about things in college football. We have spoke about the Big Ten stuff. And so, yeah, Tom Mars and I have a couple things cooking. But quit being so narcissistic. It's not always about you. Sometimes it's about stuff I've already worked on. But it's so interesting to me that I can make a pretty benign post or comment, and then it sends people, you know, running to the rafters. It's very, very, very interesting, to say the least. But you best believe when I have something, and there are some things that I do, that you, you kind of wait for the big moment. You know, it's, it's so interesting. Somebody mentioned earlier about the whole, the whole catfish thing. You guys may remember when I wrote the story, there was a, this Ole Miss super fan that was on, um, that had, had achieved some notoriety and had written some columns and gone on radio shows. So it was pretending to be a college-age girl. It turns out she was a uh, middle-aged mother from Tupelo. And so at the end of the day, there was a lot of discussion about that. And uh, it's really kind of a sad story in my mind. But, uh, but be that as it may, all that stuff kind of began to come up. And uh, what's so interesting is, you know, I found the girls whose pictures were used, Ashley and her sister out there in rural Georgia. They're actually Auburn fans, not Ole Miss fans. They hate Ole Miss, probably even more so now because their pictures have been used as part of some catfishing scheme. But all that being said is there were a lot of people that messaged those girls, you know, inappropriately. And I still have those messages. I still have those uh, screenshots. They were sent to me because initially we thought about putting them in the book. Well, I didn't, but I do still have them. I do still have them. Some point we might use them. I don't know. But it's just so interesting to me that, you know, sometimes you... You want to go poke the bear or whatever. And, and uh, listen, as I've said many times, I'm a live and let live guy. If, uh, if you leave me alone, there's a good chance I'm going to leave you alone too. And so uh, that's the way that I'd like to keep it. But at the same time too, don't think that I'm going to sit on a material story. I'm not going to do it. Those days are over in the state of Mississippi. For a long time, there were a lot of people that were complicit in cover-up. And every time they turned around, if it was ever anything that was somewhat, you know, negative about certain schools in this state, um, some were, some of that negativity was celebrated and, uh, and other negativity was buried. And so um, those days are over. And so I hope it was a good run while it lasted. But uh, the bottom line is, is if, if I find something that I can prove and I have documentation or evidence of supporting statements of people on the record to confirm these things, I'm going to report it. It might be here on the show. It might be in an article. It might be in a book. Or I might just leak it to somebody else. But you best believe... If there's a story out there and I find out about it, I'm going to make sure that story's told. The stories in Alpha Dogs are of a different variety. They're championing and celebrating the accomplishments of Mississippi State Athletics. I hope that you will go check it out. 
and I hope that you have a good rest of your week. There's a lot going on, and of course, uh, we've got some NFL football coming up. We've had a lot of uh, NFL news as of late. I know you guys are excited about all that. Uh, but it's good to have a rooting interest again. You know what I'm saying? It's like there were so many times you sit around here just kind of waiting for the online groceries to come from Amazon, and that was the highlight of the day. It's so nice to be able to go turn turn the TV on and see some live competition. And I listen, I can't wait to see Dak and the Cowboys play. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm a Dak fan. I want Dak to do well, and I want the Cowboys to do well because Dak is there. But I'm a Steelers fan, and I'm eager to see the NFL kind of get back and see how things are going to go. And listen, I want to make sure that you guys understand it, too. I haven't talked about the virus on the show so far yet, but there's a couple things I want to say. We had, you know, the tweet from OCH, Mocktabah County Hospital, that said they didn't have any COVID patients and didn't have any suspected, and everybody celebrated. I had people from two other hospitals say, you know what, hey, Steve, we don't have any COVID patients either. Well, since Labor Day, things have changed a little bit. There will be, there's going to be, you know, we've been doing good, doing good. There's no deaths yesterday, and so... There, you're going to see some things kind of go back up, this post-Labor Day spike. And I'm not going to sit here and forecast all of that. But the bottom line is this. is there, You're going to see that, and people are going to panic. There are some people wringing their hands right now that have been waiting for something else to freak out about. I'm just encourage you to hang in there. The state of Mississippi is doing a great job, and, and that wasn't the case a month ago. People were very critical of us doing a great job. But there's going to be a little bit of you know, a disruption in the force when these post-Labor Day numbers kind of shake out. And so I just encourage you, stay the course, continue to do what you're doing, be careful. Uh, as bad as I want to see Bill and Ted 3, probably going to watch it from home because I just, I'm just a little nervous about going to the movies and sitting in front of some coffer for three hours. I just, I, I just can't do it. And maybe you can. And you know, maybe I'm a weaker person than you. I don't know. But I just I feel like that i got to be here for, uh, for my kids, and so I want to make sure that I'm – I protect myself, and I hope that you will as well. Not to say we shouldn't go live our lives, but um, listen, there's risk involved with all of it, and I just hope that we'll all take the steps necessary that we can all get to the other end of this thing and have a sense of normalcy again and feel great about life. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.